0: These dud brands like Jeep. I mean, come on. How many owners need to go under the bus? Why not just let somebody else be the lab rat in this mad experiment on risk? Details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in hit me up on the website Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagen Land Rover, all the hero brands, Volvo, Jaguar Ford, etc how many owners do they actually need to betray before some people just Wise up. One more thing. Are Jeep's reliability issues a thing of the past? Would a Jeep Grand Cherokee V6 diesel in the Overland trim level be a worthwhile purchase? Or am I still looking at the wrong options? Yeah, Patrick, you are. Still wrong, dude. Patrick here originally wanted a five-year-old Porsche Cayenne. The should-have-gone-to-spec-savers Volkswagen Touareg, yes, to tow a three and a half ton horse float, pregnant wife, etc. Just for disambiguation, he was not towing his pregnant wife. He has a pregnant wife. Big difference, but still, I think you'd agree, fairly stressful undertaking. If you can't afford a new Cayenne, of course, you generally cannot afford to keep an old one on the road. And towing three and a half tonnes, dude, like, Doable, but bad idea with vehicles such as this. Plus, attempting to keep a pregnant woman happy. Like, very ambitious project. Hashtag respect. On this last point, okay, the quest for in-oven bun gestational contentment, I subscribe to social philosopher Elvis Presley's advice on all of this. Quote, To bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go, to try when your arms are too weary, to fight the unbeatable foe, to dream the impossible dream, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of that. Therefore, do not try. It's a fool's errand. That's the underlying message, clearly. I think that was actually Andy Williams who said that originally. Anyway, Patrick has obviously seen Jeep's recent marketing campaign, which essentially says we were assholes previously, admittedly, but it's all good now because we're awesome. But for some, owning a Jeep wasn't as enjoyable as driving one which is why Jeep have now committed to cap price servicing and more dedicated technical specialists. Jeep Shitsville says it is redressing its former customer crapness, which was inspired by Edie Amin, by increasing the warranty, adding capped price servicing and lifetime roadside assist, reducing parts costs, increasing tech support and moving customer care onshore instead of, I don't know, the Philippines, whatever. The problem is... None of these things affects reliability, at least not that I can see. Poor reliability stems from underdone R&D. It's like bad design plus crap implementation equals poor reliability. Longer warranty and things of that nature really doesn't change that. But reliability is, of course, only half of the customer satisfaction equation. Being dealt with fairly and expeditiously, even ethically, when you have a problem is the other half. And no evidence yet, at least not that I've seen, on moving the needle there away from Edie Armin and towards Nelson Mandela on that. Cultural change is very hard, especially when you've got one organisation importing the product and separate businesses selling it, and they're currently not Profitable. Selling Jeeps cannot be profitable at the moment, at least I can't see how it could be. Hashtag Australia, given the collapse in the sales. So, no, my standard advice to would be Jeep buyers is if you are truly committed to being a lab rat in this experiment, contact your friendly neighbourhood psychiatrist. Like, talk is cheap, and as far as I can see, that's all they're really doing here. Let us, at the very least, wait for some actual evidence about this purported change before dropping the big bucks on what seems to me to be an enduring bad idea. And if you are thinking about buying a Jeep or a brand such as this that would fall under the rubric of dud brands in my book, when you are out there asking people their opinion. Brands like Jeep, Land Rover, Volkswagen, three-pronged suppository, whatever, they hate that. These brands either shine or they become Satan in a suit, and it really just depends on who you ask. Because everyone has a view, and the needle moves all over the friggin' spectrum. It's very confusing indeed. Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited. Just wanted some advice on this vehicle. A lot of people say not to buy and others say it's a good car. I have heard Jeep has a bad reputation of reliability and service, but I would just like to hear your thoughts on this, please. Thank you. Quite a reasonable question there from Linda. The bottom line answer, Jeep is still a bad idea in my view. Let's say you're out there, okay, researching a new car, asking people you know about their experiences with this car or that one. Everyone you ask seems to be representing their honestly held views. And yet these views are often deeply polarised and seemingly irreconcilable with other people's views and mutually exclusive. So that's not, like, totally confusing or anything. Jeep cannot be both stellar and also Satan in a suit, right? And yet, owners, you ask, will vote either way, and they tend to be at the extremes of the spectrum. They're either great or they're shit, yeah? It's very confusing for a would-be owner with no real interest in cars beyond buying the right one now. Kind of like Linda, I get the impression. I get dozens of emails reflecting this confusion, okay? Most people considering these dud brands, I get the sense that they kind of know or they strongly suspect that this is a bad idea, but they are also emotionally enamoured, and that's quite dangerous, you know, because the gravitational pull of a brand can be quite strong indeed. And yet the stories of underdone engineering and malevolent customer support are far too prolific and credible to ignore completely. But these act on a different part of the brain, right? Like the attraction goes straight into your id, whereas the part that screams bad idea kind of hits you in the intellect. So you end up quite conflicted indeed, you know, upstairs. You can want something that's a very bad idea, and we do that all the time. We humans, like, take the boss's secretary, secretary Tiffany. She's always a bad idea, okay? She's hot and reluctant to take no for an answer, seemingly. And I'd suggest this is exactly that. It's reward versus risk, and we all so want that dopamine hit. It's a conflicted state to be in. And because you know what you really want, confirmation bias in your research can be so friggin' insidious. So perhaps you go out and look for and find that dude out there who has thrashed his Grand Cherokee for 300,000 kilometres or something and it was friggin' bulletproof, mate, despite never being serviced and all valid attempts to break it. So there's your evidence, justification, whatever. Like, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, okay? And that essentially is confirmation bias. The real problem here is metadata and bad conclusions. And I know this all sounds very hoity-toity or something, but it's really quite simple. Almost everyone takes their own personal experience of just one vehicle and they extrapolate it up to be the brand. And that's the problem with asking anyone, mate, do you like your car? How's it been? Blah, blah, blah. If you draw the conclusion and extrapolate up to the brand and they help push you across the line, you're in dangerous territory. 300,000 K Jeep dude, he's going to go, my Jeep was awesome. Therefore, Jeeps are friggin' awesome. And Dude whose Jeep continually went poopy in its trousers and was off the road for like six months and then slapped him with a $25,000 repair bill, he's going to go, Jeep's a shit, mate. The balanced view of all of this, right? Do not take a metadata sample of one experience and extrapolate it up. If you do this, it's indefensible and entirely unhelpful, and yet... Everyone does it with cars, seemingly. Even with the bad brands, okay, to be fair, most owners have really good experiences. And note that I did not just say that owning a Jeep is a good idea because it is absolutely, emphatically not, in my view. Let's say that they sell, I don't know, 10,000 cars a year on average for 10 years as an example That's 100,000 cars, okay? And let's say just 2% of those vehicles present with a serious problem. 98% is a pass with honours in most exams, right? But not in this one. 98,000 somewhat happy customers, 2,000 unhappy customers. That really doesn't sound too bad, like proportionally. Let's say that they go and turn half of those frowns upside down by fixing the problem efficiently in a low or no-cost way. So all of a sudden, we're up to 99,000 happy customers out of 100,000. But let's say the balance of 1,000 customers gets properly bent over. You know what I mean? That's the problem, okay? Okay. Unhappy customers, even of the dog brands, are a proportionally small group. Somewhat vocal, but proportionally small. Their experiences are unrepresentative of the median ownership experience. And this means the dog or otherwise status of a brand is defined not by the average experience, but by the worst experiences. It's kind of an undemocratic process when you think about it. Certainly not a majority verdict. Whether you should buy a Jeep, I guess that depends upon the strength slash depravity of your attraction, right? And, of course, your capacity to tolerate risk. Tiffany is dead hot, okay? But if you get caught, you might lose the kids and the house. Either way, it's a choice, and you should quantify the risk and the reward. Maybe you really love that vehicle deeply and also what you know it says to others about you because the badge is about that, right? It's like status. And the pro tip there is nobody actually gives a shit about that stuff except you. Status is, let's be kind, epistemically subjective. If the failure rate is just 1%, the risk does seem pretty low. And I'm talking customer experience failure here, not mechanical failure. 99 happy campers for every disaster. Why not just roll the dice? The odds are way better than Russian roulette, right? And they're overwhelmingly stacked in your favour. Workplace safety is exactly like this, and so is driving. You know, risks are much lower than 1% in these contexts, but the consequences are also pretty high, and they need to be oxygenated. So here's a thought experiment on 1% risk and how it might affect you, just for perspective, okay? I have to reiterate, thought experiment, totally hypothetical. Do not attempt this at home or anywhere else. Let's say you go to a five-star hotel for some I don't know, small function, a family thing, an industry thing. It doesn't matter. 100 people, just like you, all jammed into a cramped little five-star ballroom. The MC steps up, taps his you know, spoon on his glass, and he says, Welcome. Just for kicks tonight, we've put a hand grenade under one of your seats. Yes. Not to worry, though. It's only a very small hand grenade carefully designed by experts to kill just the person sitting directly atop. When I click this button in 10 seconds, we'll see exactly who the unlucky loser is and then everyone left will each receive an envelope with $100,000 in it. Yes! For you, of course, there is only a 1% chance of being Hamburger Boy and a 99% chance of ending the night $100,000 richer. And who doesn't want that? But I'd suggest, do you suppose there would be a spontaneous violent exodus from the room? I think there probably would. I think I would leave low risk, high stakes. You know, buying a risky dud brand is exactly this proposition. Different setting, different cast, same friggin' story. It is, of course, entirely up to you what brand of vehicle you buy and how you justify the purchase to yourself and others. And if you end up in the majority, awesome. The reward, you know, like Tiffany, is a powerful motivator with easily the capacity to eclipse the risk but I strongly suggest at least considering the risk, no matter how strong the attraction, because I have dealt with hundreds of disgruntled car buyers from these worst brands, okay? And I've seen how the betrayal, it's not too strong a word, I've seen the effect of the betrayal of a brand upon the individual at a deep emotional level. And it strikes me that most of these people who wrote to me at their friggin' wits' end requesting a silver bullet to kill the werewolf? They were once just as infatuated with a brand as perhaps you are right now.